This podcast, this emergency podcast edition of the Guns Crypto Podcast, was brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. Do you have a bass? Do you have a pro? Do you have a shop? If you don't have all three, one of all three, uh, partial fill, order, whatever, come down to Bass Pro Shops. We'll take good care of you. Now over to our host, Wasabi Boat Research. Thank you, Boomer. And uh, as you noted, this is an emergency podcast and uh, meatloaf is dead, guys. Meatloaf has passed away. We're here to talk about our favorite meatloaf memories and songs. So uh, I don't know, Boomer, Boomer, what's your what's your dearest meatloaf memory? I is uh, I don't is, is he I get him confused. Is that the guy that wrote the Star Spangled Banner? Yeah, it, I get him confused with um, Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> and uh, Alex Cooper, or or the guy was. Two the real question is, did he have any Bitcoin when he died? Yeah, <laughs> that's. I, I don't. Yeah, was he a crypto enthusiast? I don't know. I don't know, but that's. Uh, it's it's sad. Uh, I just remember him from Fight Club. I guess he was good in Fight Club. So. Uh... So yeah, Meatloaf is no longer with us. Um, some numbers on the screen have gone down. What's uh, I don't know, Boomer, you're you're uh, you're short Ethereum. You're everything's going to zero. Are we not going to make? Yeah, it? I. That's the biggest question. I think it needs to be resolved, and it's not going to be resolved until U.S. futures and global futures open for trading tomorrow at six p.m. I don't think there'll be a lot of movement in crypto, but you know, tomorrow necessarily. Tomorrow being Sunday, uh, January twenty third. But um, when the the you know world's markets open at six, got Japan opening at seven. Is is you know, gee, this market looks cheap. I need to go ahead and buy these futures early. Can that sort of be on people's mind, uh, or is? Wow, that's a whole lot of tanks piling up in Belarus right now. Um, and sort of geopolitical tension is going to be on people's mind. It's my belief as a trader that people are always looking for an excuse to buy or an excuse to sell. So whether these things are realities or not, as we've seen, the market has clung on to, you know, markets climb a wall of worry. And at times, markets, these markets have been terrified by coronavirus and then they've climbed the wall of worry as things got quote unquote better. And so that's, that's the question to me. And I can see both sides of the, the, the case. So I, I think it's important. I stick with my investment thesis on crypto for this year, which is high quality alts against short Ethereum. You may wind up a little bit sideways, but if everything sort of goes down, which it tends to do, you'll be protected by being short Ethereum because I think Sushi's more, you know, useful than, than Ethereum is. I just don't, what else is on? I, I just don't think we've reached the point yet where people are actually like caring about what cryptos they buy. They just like, I don't even know. Honestly, I don't even know who's buying Sushi. It's like Arca, Danny with like the Wonderland stuff and then like me and Boomer and maybe Wasabi. I don't, I don't know. It just, um, it's, it's weird to me the, the, the way crypto is right now. And, and, um, you can just see the money sort of like moving around within it. And then this like project launched yesterday on Phantom that $3 billion moved across the chain to go put into in 12 hours. I mean, it just, you know, if $3 billion was managed by some hedge fund, there's no way they would go move it across from Ethereum to Phantom in 12 hours and deposit it into this these contracts. But, you know, so like in the midst of all of these, uh, everything's selling off, like all that is still managing to go on and happen. I don't know. It's, it's just weird to me. Um, I don't like and then there's almost a billion dollars of it that's stablecoin and none of those people like want to buy Bitcoin and Ethereum or Phantom. You know what I mean? So they're willing to farm this token, sit in stablecoin, and just sort of say fuck you to the rest of all the crypto people. Yeah, I mean, I don't even see, like, okay, all my crypto is down, all my stocks are down, 
except for this like one random like community bank stock that I bought five years ago. Everything's down. This just seems like a, bit, a macro move, like a, a wave that washes over everyone. The higher risk crypto stuff goes down more. But uh, I don't know. It just seems like a kind of like a something that's just a bigger macro move. And it's it's not really having to do with like ETH versus alts or whatever. Like everything's getting well, what, what I guess what precipitated it. And then we go back to our YOLO bucks, not yellow, yellow bucks, but YOLO as in excess capital in your life that one out of 10 recipients of Biden or Trump bucks or whatever they're called received. Uh, you know, they started a Coinbase account and they, they got into crypto. At what point is there enough pain in the, in the real economy? And at what point is there enough pain in equities that people say, you know what, my Bitcoin, my Ethereum, my whatever is down, but I'm going to take that money and put it back into U.S. dollars, right? And I, 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 that to me is the real trigger behind all this. If those that that was the you know the Coinbase uh, trading volume was was way down in Q3, um, and uh, a lot of stuff hasn't been really mind blowingly hard to sort of trade, and it hasn't been easy either. Don't get me wrong, but Bitcoin got cut in half; it returned to its original all time high, and now it's going back to its its place where it got cut in half. And Ethereum did the same thing. And so if I kind of feel like if you, you know, believed in Ethereum, then you bought it at 2000, you sold it at a new all-time high, and you've made some money. If you bought it at the all-time high and you're sitting on all the losses, I don't really understand that mentality. Just as a TradFi trader guy. Okay, so I think we, we've talked a little bit about what happened? What's the root of it? But I'm I'm interested in hearing both of your like what what your takes are. Okay, so you know we've had this correction or this sharp sharp drop happen the last twenty four hours or so. What are you looking at? Like, say okay, we're not done yet. We're catching the falling knife. Like this is going way lower, or this is a local bottom. What do you, what what information do you need to to tell which of those it is, or uh, or or like. What are you looking to kind of like confirm what kind of scenario we're dealing with here and, and what's the course of action in both? Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, personally, you know, looking at a lot of charts, um, if you look at, you know, that's the thing about charting is um, when things are, when things are changing directions, uh, you know, you sort of zoom in and then, uh, you start to zoom out as these sort of structures form, and in my mind, um, if you look, if you zoom out on Bitcoin, it's really clear that October twentieth, twenty twenty one, was the end of the the Bitcoin bull run. Yeah, there was this bit of um, a blow off in November, but but really from that point, there was just like a straight decline, and then the decline got worse in December, and then there was a straight decline, and then the decline got worse in January, and then there was a straight decline, and then the decline got worse. So, um, at, you know, at this point, like, yeah, it's worth it to just miss a bit of the reversal, right? Because uh, if you just if you just be patient and wait for sort of like more of a macro, you know, like for instance, if you're sitting around in no in November and you're just like, hey. I can really. I've never got into Bitcoin, and it just keeps going down. Um, I'm not going to put a big position on, right? I'm gonna maybe put like a, a small position on, or something like that. And then it keeps going down. So, like, yeah, like either get out, or yeah, you could just you could try and average in with really really small buys. But um, yeah, I would just wait. I would wait until it, it it really looks like it's turning around. And like I'm talking like about missing like a ten thousand dollar up moves or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I would put put on our Discord that head and shoulders top on the Nasdaq. I mean, just you can see it like from. I mean, it was the most blatant trade sort of ever, and these stocks tech has gotten out of control anyway. So, but the question is, so you got this portfolio, 
and you've, you've allocated, you follow, follow Paul Tudor Jones advice or whatever, and you've allocated 5% towards Bitcoin or maybe a, a basket of cryptocurrencies. Why do you, why do you, why do you wake up on, you know, Friday and say, I'm going to sell the shit out of, uh, you know, fang stocks and also lose some of that Bitcoin too. And I, 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 you know, the correlation between the two, a lot of people, a lot of the, the particularly the the eth maxis and the bitcoin maxis want to draw a lot of meaning from fed policy and and how that you know the printing of money makes bitcoin better all this other stuff it doesn't really square to me um so it's just why would you i don't know i think bitcoin bitcoin would be the thing that i would not be selling on a tech sell-off it's because it's not tech really (laughs) you know it doesn't seem like to me it should be caught up in a, in a big tech motivated sell off. I mean, the Nasdaq is now down, I believe, year to date, like something like you know, it's 12, 15% or something. And um, why is Bitcoin caught up in that? Because you look at oil and oil is outperformed. Oil is the same price it was when Bitcoin reached its all time high. And so there was an article from the Financial Times that said, well, people are getting rid of risk risk assets. And I don't know any riskier asset than oil, you know? So they can't, you can't look at, oil was down less than 1% on Friday. Bitcoin was down 15% or Ethereum or whatever, down, down quite a bit. So you can't just go risk off, you know, because that would be oil too. Oh, what a guy. Did you hear about? So there was some guy, um, I don't know if this is completely resolved yet, but there was this guy that was very long Ethereum that had deposited his Ethereum into uh, MakerDAO where you can mint DAI, D-A-I, the stablecoin against Ethereum. And I guess uh, we're reaching somewhere close to his, or we we went past his um uh, whatever liquidation price and so now there's something like 65 million ethereum tokens or something like that that are for sale um through the maker liquidation system so yeah i mean uh when i see something like that though i think wait like no one actually wants to sell at these levels so again like some patience i don't know maybe it, maybe it even has to go down to a thousand dollars a token or something like that i mean i think what did you say you would you would take it at 50 or something like that ten dollars ten dollars yeah so no yeah i would happily pick up a bunch of ethereum at 500 Um, but i I bought more badger today yeah yeah i i have have a lot of badger at this point yeah (laughs) Uh, i think we might have super comfortable with it not dissimilar amount of exposure to that particular currency i don't know um but this this uh uh you know i i i look at sushi and you look at matic and you look at all the other stuff and it's sort of like okay so maybe there's 25 percent more of the downside or something like that but we're we're, not going to zero it's not going to zero out like a stock um you don't have there's not you know an accounting scandal taking place i think there is an impulse during moves like this to look for for cracks in the microstructure of markets like you're just talking about some there's always like a when a when a you know oil goes down a lot there's always rumors that a hedge fund got forced liquidated on something right and maybe they did maybe they didn't but if you're going to be a successful oil trader that doesn't really enter in the calculus because that means you're out there sort of drifting on rumors and Twitter and doing, you know, you're just kind of grabbing at straws at that point to try to explain what's happening. The reality is, is that you take a look at the worst day in oil of the last uh, year and you, you wake up every single day if you're long oil or short oil and you say that this day could in fact turn into that day. And that's how you sort of manage risk is, is you say, okay, well, the maximum drawdown and the maximum decline in the price of sushi over a, a quarter or whatever time frame you're trading was blank, then you need to be prepared for it to go down blank, which means you've got 10 bucks, take two of them, put it in now. If it doubles, sell it. But that's the, that's the problem that I've found. And it goes back to our podcast on the Wasabi show 
which is DeFi DJs, all our peeps don't want to ever sell anything. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that even if to, to, today was an amazing buying opportunity and I did well adding to Badger and some other stuff, um, I'm, you know, where do you, where do you sell it? That's, a, that's another big question is even if this is the bottom, what are you doing? Right. If you're just accumulating to accumulate, to accumulate, to accumulate, um, then it's problematic to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I tweeted uh, earlier about this, this new token, uh, zero X DAO that launched today that everyone's, I mean, there's literally, there's $3.3 billion that have been, it makes sense, right? You, you're, you're comfortable with the smart contracts. They're, they're sort of copies of smart contracts that have been around for years now. You put $3 billion in and then you get this token that's not worth anything, but then somebody might buy it from you. So like, what are you really risking if you're comfortable with the smart contracts not taking your money from you? <laughs> so yeah, I was like, okay, uh, I've been farming OX down and all I got was this stupid token, right? Like, so, you know, when you, when you accumulate these tokens in such an easy way... And then all of a sudden, like money comes into them, it's kind of hard to like want to sell them as well. If you actually start to 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 believe it in any of, of like the the things that these people are trying to do, because then you're just like, well, you know, this thing's only been around for a month or a year or whatever. It could keep going higher, or it could keep going higher. So yeah, I think um, that you know that's that's why bag holding has become such a big you know, terminology within the crypto space, I think is, is people buy things knowing that they're buying them at a cheap price, but then um, it goes way higher and they never sell. Yeah. And that, I mean, that sort of hoarding mentality is not really rewarded in other aspects of trading. And that's where I, you know, just if I can add some value to any of this, this is to say that just remember that, Trading, all it is, is the transfer of risk from one entity to another. And so uh, you need to de-risk at some point. And uh, this was the, I've been preaching sort of short Ethereum, but long other stuff now for about six months. And the first time today, we had a courageous listener, uh, friend of the pod, friend of the Foot Guns family, uh, who's actually short. That's the first person I've seen say, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I I, I do think they're just, you, you need to constantly remind yourself that this is a transfer of risk that you're taking on. And at some point, that risk needs to be reduced in the form of transferring your currencies over to dollars. I do think there are, given this crash, some... Uh, interesting tax implications, which is to say, I believe, I don't know if it's applies to capital losses or not, but in ordinary income losses, you you cast them backwards. So if you had a big Q4 in crypto, you may be able to cast some of these losses backwards if you sort of rev recognize your revenue in a weird way. But that's kind of beyond my pay grade, consult your CPA. But I absolutely give financial advice on Discord and you can DM me for my name and where to sue me because it is absolutely financial advice. Well, Wasabi, you got any uh, financial advice for a boomer right now? No, I'm glad. I, so I'm thinking back to the episode that Boomer, you and I did. I, I actually sold a bunch of Bitcoin just kind of accidentally uh, in one account on the, on the intention to move it into... Um, DeFi and like put it on Badger. And that just happened to be, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, like like right before the the uh, year turned over. And then I just sold a, a bunch more kind of like late, maybe like Wednesday or Thursday. Um, so I was, I'm pretty heavily in stables actually right now, except for like some, you know, my stuff that's already kind of like farming in DeFi. So I'm pretty happy with, with the timing. Um, and I don't know if I would have done that um, if I hadn't had this intention to move. It wasn't really like a trade I was uh, actively thinking of making, but but I don't here, know. but here don't again, what you're describing is you've moved, you've moved 
you put some dollars into the system, some United States dollars into the system, and you're not taking it out. And to me, at some point, somebody's got to, if, if, if you're doing well in crypto, if you're trading crypto, if you're trading anything, at some point, you need to take the, the only way to de-risk out of crypto is to go into the dollar. Now, I know there may be some fringe elements that are out there like, dollars are worthless, inflation, blah, blah, blah. whatever. I, I, I've got, you know, I always just like having a few hundred dollar bills around because they're really cool to look at. And they're still spend really well. I don't know if you've tried to spend dollars recently, but um, people still take hundred dollar bills, except the places that don't. But you know, you know what I mean. So I just think that there's like a <clears throat> you can go. You're kind of answering one of my questions for something, which is: is it sell off a sell off, or is it a transference to stable coins? And I did look up at the market cap of Tether as maybe a, a measure of that. Um, and it does seem like to me that, that for the first time in a long time, the market cap of Tether is going down. And that might be a, a better indicator of that, hey, maybe people are actually withdrawing some of the stablecoin churn, let's call it, like as they move in between currencies out into US dollars, possibly, right? Or then... They may be switching to UCDC or another stable coin. I don't know. But but the question is, when when do you take that money out of the system? Because I get it. We may be living in a world let's, where... Let's, uh, let's be fair, though. It is not going down. It is going sideways. <laughs> it's gone from like yeah. 78 billion to 78.3 or like 78.7 to 78.3. But that being said, it has been on an insane run upwards for the past uh, two years. But it was just surpassed. So USDC is now bigger than Tether now. So good. it's the biggest stable I mean, coin. I think that's a good Wait, thing. Are you serious? Where, where are you getting that from? Uh, that was uh, my my fact check on that is the Bankless podcast that I listened to last night. That can't so direct be right. all. That can't be right. Direct all uh, criticism to them. I mean, I direct all my criticism to them anyway. Like about everything, I stubbed my toe last night getting up. Yeah, to well, pee, so but you have to, to look because at because I didn't put any tape. Over you have my to mouth. look at um, Terra's market cap, right? So like Terra. Terra is, is competing for Tether. USDC is competing for Tether. Uh, Dai is competing. Then no, nothing else under that is serious. But yeah, no, I'm. I, okay, so I, I'll just I'll counter your um, with real facts. Uh, not not. I don't know where they're getting the market cap is bigger than Tether. I do because because I'm looking at multiple websites right now that don't say that. Um, but mm. the USDC coin has kicked Cardano and Solana out of the top five. And so now the top cryptos include Tether, Binance coin, and uh, USD coin in the top five underneath Ethereum and Bitcoin, which are all supposed to be stable coins. So uh, that's brand new. Like if you, if you were to go look at crypto for the last whatever um, yep. it has not yep. been the top five including three stable coins that's that is a really good insight and, it, and, and maybe more argument that this is just a little down whoosh or whatever because again do you know anyone besides me that trades you know mostly features that are u.s dollars and that kind of stuff do you know anyone who's withdrawn their money from the crypto system completely said, you know what? No USDT, no USDC, no, none of the stable coin stuff. I want dollars. No. And I know, wait, let me correct myself though. One thing I was confusing Binance coin with Binance USD. <laughs> so yeah, right. it's two out of the two out of the five, but still it's the first time there's ever been two out of the five. Um, but no, I don't. And in fact, I, I, um, I know one person now that is a, a normie that has like perfectly um, whenever like they only ask me if they should buy when things are like brutally down. And I'm just like, wow, your market timing is amazing. Keep it up. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's just, again, the close nature system of it all. I mean, I 
what is what what's your excuse right now if you're an Ethereum maximalist and you run an Ethereum maximalist propaganda podcast? Like what what's your excuse for making a bad recommendation over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to your listeners? Uh, well, okay. So the other way to look at it is like one of the, the things I've been experimenting with is uh, liquidity providing in uh, Uniswap V3. And that kind of, it, it's it's definitely trading uh, because you have to pick a range of coin A and coin B that you are allowing people to swap uh, between. So you you basically just have to pick, like if you can pick the upper bound and lower bound over the period of your trade that these two coins will trade in. That means you're going to get, you know, most of the fees that are, that are the trading fees that are happening in this window. So um, I have been liquidity priding on Ethereum uh, as one side of it. And this uh, super speculative, like NFT game currency coin. So it's like, you know, ETH versus like some like really, uh, kind of like shitcoin thing that just came out, right? And they since since the crash, they've basically both gone down exactly in correlation. So, like, if you want to pick, if you you make money when um, the 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 two assets stay completely correlated and stay tightly in this band, right? And so, like, the shitcoin and ETH have gone down basically in tandem, and they're still exactly the same. It's exactly in the center point of this range that I picked on like Wednesday or Thursday before the crash. So you could say that like the correlations are just everything's going down, right? Like I don't think ETH has been punished disproportionately to every other I think, crypto I, asset I, out I, there. I think it, from you know from Bitcoin or any or like Badger or Sushi or whatever, everything's going down. Yeah, that may be the case, but there's not you know uh, uh, the people making a ton of money, a ton of money off of uh, a podcast called Sushi Max or Sushi List. Hold on, wait, though. Bitcoin dominance is up, finally. What is it? It's up um, from the bottom. It is now up 6%. So, yeah, selling everything into Bitcoin was the way. I mean, but it, it it's consistently Bitcoin has done this, right? I mean, this is what happened in 2018 when Ethereum like had its giant run to $1,700 January 1st, um, 2018. From that point on, for the next three years, all the money went back into Bitcoin. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I, I for the little guy out there, I'm always rooting for the little guy. And I just don't like the idea that these people have sold people on the idea of because it's more seductive and it's like ethereum is the thinking man's bitcoin right it's more sort of seductive in that in that way and they've just gone on and on and on about it and the thing has done nothing but go down in value and i want to take them on in a prison war involving shivs for the for the little guy who who got sucked into that world it was like Ethereum's going to be the the currency of ethiopia no it's not no, it's not. I'm, um, here's my bear case for Ethereum is, and I think Wasabi probably would see this is, is basically like what SushiSwap did to Uniswap, right? It's so, for instance, like Phantom is arguably more de- like, well, it could become more decentralized. I don't know. Arguably, the same amount of decentralization as Ethereum, um, but but there's more like community ownership over the token itself um i don't know like there there, there's different there's different ways you could argue back and forth saying that it's worse or better the point is it's a competitor right in the way that sushi was a competitor for uni and a lot of the projects that grew up on ethereum have said oh well we're here because it's more secure and we run the we run the kitchen in this prison though not those yeah 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 well so i just think see them in the yard there is a the there is a chance that we just get clones of everything that's been built on Ethereum onto things like Phantom and Avalanche, um, and a lot of the money runs away from Ethereum. And the to, you know it, it doesn't go away; it just 
it trades at two hundred dollars instead of two thousand. Yeah, that's. I I just think it's misplaced. I guess my point is, I think it's misplaced, and I just think that the the Ethereum is Ethereum. One of the one of the one of the things that they push, um, you know, in their prison gang, is that that you know Ethereum is a replacement currency for Bitcoin, which is itself a replacement currency for the U.S. dollar, and. I just I want to create a bot on Twitter or something that just goes and re- reminds everyone that there are actually two world reserve currencies right now. There are two currencies that everyone will take, and that's the euro and the dollar. So this whole this that entire thing. Every time you hear somebody be like, "Well, somebody doesn't want something to happen because they don't they're worried about losing the dollar's um, reserve currency status." There is no preference. Like if you're in a weird place, in a conflict zone, or in a failed state, there is no preference for a hundred dollar euro, a hundred euro note, or a hundred dollar note. There are two world reserve currencies. Just FYI, it just drives me crazy for some reason. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Zoom out on the Bitcoin and ETH charts. The ETH ETH top was almost like forty seven hundred. The Bitcoin top was sixty seven hundred. Bitcoin is at what thirty five now, and ETH is at forty twenty four hundred. So I don't know. I mean, big picture. I think if I was Uniswap v three v threeing these things, they'd still be in range. Like they'd still be within like. What did you say? How Bitcoin is up like six six percent dominance, but like if I put a twenty percent range, they, they're still pretty tightly correlated. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that anything in this move that we saw in the last twenty four hours is causing me to rethink my fundamental thesis about any cryptocurrency at all. I think it's a macro thing. I think that everything's going down. Gotcha. Well, I'm almost. What is it? Seven in seven days and twenty in twenty three hours, I will be comfortable to make the call that Bitcoin dominance will will go up twenty percent. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anything can happen in the next seven days and twenty three hours. I will. Uh, I'll post it though. My um, because I, I have my Bitcoin chart that I made. I posted an article about it a long time ago. So I've just been watching yeah, it play was, out. That thing was it, like it looks reading the future. It looks like uh, it looks like we've reached some sort of bottom here on the Bitcoin dominance. We'll see. What I do believe is just kind of like the law of absolute numbers and absolute size. So, like we were talking before recording about like Phantom and these smaller like layer ones. It's just a like a law of nature that those things that are much lower valuation just have much more room to run upwards, right? Like there's, you know. There's no fixed limit on how big these things can go, but just something that's, you know, an order of magnitude smaller has more growth potential just before these things become, you know. Perceived value, right? Yeah, no, and that's what we talked about. Whereas you look down at Matic and you're like, well, that looks cheaper than Ethereum and looks cheaper than Bitcoin. Is it um, on an absolute basis? Yes. Is it on a relative basis? I think yes, but maybe not. Um, well, you could say like, what would it mean for that to ten x? What would it? What would would the world look really different if Bitcoin ten x? Probably would the world look really different if Matic ten x? Like no, right? Like that, it could easily ten x without kind of. Well, like hey, wait, let, me, let me ask any... you this. This is a great question. So let's imagine ten x Bitcoin from here. So Bitcoin's trading at three hundred and fifty thousand dollars or whatever. Has the world changed or has Bitcoin changed? Well, I, th- I think that's the thing about Bitcoin that's different from every other crypto is you can, with a high degree of confidence, um, say that it's the world that's changed and not Bitcoin. Why? Because Bitcoin is hard to change. <laughs> the world changes all the time. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, right. Immutable. Every other crypto is mind. just like the their entire um, like their hype thing is just like we're constantly evolving and constantly changing with you, you know. And Bitcoin's just like I mean that's why it's like Boomer Coin, right? It's just it it just it's literally a rock, right? 
it's it just sits there <laughs> thank you for that calling me a rock that just sits there um <laughs> really appreciate that p.s i'm not a boomer i'm like the youngest gen x you can find but um this uh i do have a boomer mindset at times but i guess i guess my point is is that if 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 bitcoin went up 10x from here would that also mean that the nasdaq's gone up 10x from here and and why were these things so i just don't understand again i don't understand why these things are so correlated to u.s equities i i don't i mean it's, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me they don't resemble each other at all there's nothing that bitcoin has in common with tesla stock nothing there's i think it's i mean i think it's because of who the holders are um explain that like the the idea i mean the idea behind bitcoin is that well not the idea but like what it actually literally is right is just this network that is running regardless of what the price is um and i think a bunch of like hedge funds bought it right and because they're like hey the world's gonna adopt this thing eventually let's get in front of it um there's this having cycle there's this guy plan b who's got the stock to flow model it looks pretty good uh could be an inflation hedge let's buy it uh and so they all you know so bitcoin got owned by a bunch of hedge funds and now they're selling it and um you know hopefully it gets cheaper because um you know we're rooting for the little guy and i think um yeah let, let's let's hope there becomes a cheaper opportunity for some smaller people to get in before um you know the real money starts coming back at it again um i think i think it's just a really interesting asset and everybody's going to take a stab at it um and yeah the, the, in my mind this is like the hedge funds turn at it so I don't know a lot of hedge funds who are even messing with it. I mean, I talked to those guys. They're my former colleagues, et cetera. And I don't know a lot of guys who are even screwing with this, with, with Bitcoin. And um, I'm trying to Yeah, well, to so find... that's my point is that I think it's like, it's a really thin market, right? It's like it's like 12 real people. <laughs> and then so... like Justin Sun and, um, you know, then you have Michael Saylor and Elon uh which by the way the you know i blame uh i'm blaming uh michael saylor for messing up this this trade that we tried to put on at badger where, where we said okay well if we get stopped out at uh fifty two thousand dollars or fifty one thousand dollars we'll we'll stop um dollar cost averaging into bitcoin and if michael saylor hadn't have bought then uh there wouldn't have been that like that bump up to 52k that that knocked us out of the trade wait wait so if they're if they're hedge funds, they're buying futures, right? So we don't have to look to, um, we don't have to look to uh, on chain stuff or whatever. It's the Bitcoin futures, which the Commitment of Traders report is published every Thursday. This is bizarre to me. It breaks it down. It's in the foreign currency section, and it breaks it down into non-commercial and commercial. Who is a commercial trader of Bitcoin? What qualifies you as that? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean that that is that is a, a strange way to break it down to me on Bitcoin. And, and oddly enough, so the non-commercial side, in terms of uh, Bitcoin, there are one thousand two hundred contracts, and these are big contracts. These are five Bitcoins each. Um, so five there are. There are 1,289 times five times the price of Bitcoin that are calendar spreading Bitcoin, which is bizarre. I mean, just of all the things like, you know, you calendar spread oil because you think the oil, there's going to be more demand for oil in this current month than there will be in, say, July. Uh, But how do you look at Bitcoin and go, hmm, I think there's more demand for Bitcoin today than there's going to be in the future and there are 15 total number of traders in that category there are 15 and it represents 11 percent of the open interest on bitcoin futures that's 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 really weird to me i wouldn't think that it's like spreading yeah it's like um because there's there's been all these people hyping this um cash and carry trade on bitcoin where you like long the or what do you like long spot and short the futures or something yeah i do know that it is it 
it slipped out of backwardization and backwardization in futures means that um you want things to be backwardized it's just like a futures only word i don't think it's in the dictionary um you want things to be backwardized because that means the price is uh, higher in the present than it is in the future even though futures like so bitcoin for delivery um although it's cash settled in february is trading at a um higher price than is march than is july so typically when commodities go into backwardization it's extremely bullish and you want to get along them because people need more of that commodity now and what the bitcoin calendar says is that people need less and less bitcoin as they go forward i just think it's an odd thing to do to sit down and say you know one point one one thousand two hundred eighty nine times five times the price of bitcoin is in this trade that alone what's the notional value of that i'm not really good at math what what how big is that let's say those numbers again so one one thousand two hundred eighty nine times five times the price of bitcoin uh that's two hundred and twenty five million yeah that's the number of people who are spreading the total number of people who uh, open interest is 10,000 times. Uh, no, it's more than 10,000. So you got non-commercials. You've got, uh, you have to have an equal number of longs and shorts and spreads. The futures have to match up. And so people are net short when you include the spreads only by a little bit on Bitcoin. Um, but there's a total, um, number of contracts of open it was called open interest of 11,000 so 11,000 times five times the price of bitcoin what is that notional value that is uh 1.9 billion okay so there's 1.9 billion dollars of big that doesn't include the micro bitcoins this is just the big boy bitcoins so that's the amount of you know, if a if a if a global macro hedge fund who trades the, the Australian dollar or something like that wants to get involved in in Bitcoin, they're doing it through that instrument. So there's there's that's a decent sum of money because again, all these weird perp contracts and you know all the stuff that trades on Bitfinex and FTX and all that other kind of stuff. I have no idea who's who's trading all that weird leverage stuff, um, but. Uh, in terms of, I've just noticed, like, we've talked a lot about this, how, and that is, um, don't want to get down this rabbit hole too far, but, but we've talked a lot about how the gaps um, seem to work uh, in the U.S. futures market. In other words, if the, even though Bitcoin's been trading all weekend long, if it gaps down, you know, in the U.S., all, all gaps get filled in the U.S. futures contract. But they don't necessarily. There's there is no gap for Bitcoin truly, but they always get filled in the U.S. futures contract. So I have a feeling those people are in charge of Bitcoin. Surprise. Yeah, it certainly seems like it as far as as far as um, the pricing is concerned. Yeah, I think they are they are they are the largest the largest block of people who are speculating on bitcoin and, and you know 8417 contracts long 8966 short so pretty you know again you have to be paired up evenly there's no net short right um anyway sorry to go down that little rabbit hole but i just i i, I don't think i've ever heard anybody go and look at commitment to traders report on a podcast before and is a decent amount of money i mean when you think about how big the contract size is i mean you're you know your average interactive brokers user is not gonna not gonna do that not gonna be trading five bitcoin lots right that that are you know inherently levered four times or something like that i think and that's been one of my big issues with this whole price of bitcoin and price of ethereum is is i don't know anyone who's ever 
sold them in the sense that they've sold them and then gotten out and put them in the U.S. dollars. And so I, I wonder why we have these sharp sell-offs. Like, who's, I mean, if you're just selling it and putting it in USDC so you can buy Bitcoin later, then it never leaves the system and you just have to wait, I guess. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I think there's miners that have fixed costs who are, you know, Bitcoin and ETH, they're producing these assets and they have to pay a large amount in electricity. And so I think a lot of them are big participants in these like futures markets and trying to hedge and, and, you know, they could really get fucked if there's, uh, you know, if they're on the wrong side of one of these big swings and they have big fixed okay, costs that they have so to cover. So you've just right? identified who the commercial people are, long and short, and they only account for 2% of Bitcoin futures. The 2%? Yeah, 2 So commercial users of Bitcoin account for 2% of the futures. And say oil or something like that, or the, let's see, Australian non-fat dry milk <laughs> if you don't like that um i mean i can give you butter um uh feeder cattle i'm trying to find the japanese yen there we go okay so the japanese yen non-commercial accounts for uh i don't know i can't read that i know that sounds strange but i can't i say oh okay so on the euro currency wise um commercial people are much larger participants than non-commercial. So people actually needing to hedge out uh, Euro futures are much bigger than the speculators. On Bitcoin, um, it's 98% speculators and 2% commercial. Yeah, so we got a ways to go. Then I mean, yeah, that's the yeah. thing about it is like, <laughs> it's gotta, it's gotta find that market, right? Like eventually, if it wants to be serious. But if it does find that market, like we're talking about million dollar Bitcoin or something like that, right? Because that's the point: is that limited supply, number go up if it gets used. All right, so switching gears a little bit, the the um, the. You know, is there, is there this Ukraine stuff? I mean, just looking at images of tanks being amassed in Belarus and the, the UK government just pushed out a statement, which is rare. I've never seen anything like this from a government. And they have actionable intelligence that, I mean, they don't usually, nobody publicizes actionable intelligence or whatever, but that the, Russians are trying to put in, uh, install a pro-Russian leader in Ukraine prior to invasion. I mean, I've, I've never seen a government issue a statement like that. And then the U.S. backed them up being like, very troubling, very troubling. I, I just don't know. Again, excuse to buy, excuse to sell. I had this big debate in 2014. A buddy of mine was working for uh, on an IARPA project. So you've got DARPA, which is the uh defense advanced research pro whatever agency they're like you know super out there like little you know drones that can kill you that are the size of a hummingbird whatever IRPA was um a prediction thing where they where they looked and they said are are people who are outside of the defense department better at predicting the future on a binary basis the answer was yes by like 66 percent and one of the questions was, will there be Russian troops in Ukraine in 2014? And my buddy got it right. But my thing was, would it matter? And I said, it won't matter. So the question is, it's not necessarily, but I think the, mar the market, the way things feel right now, that people are looking for an excuse to buy and what are called little green men, which are unidentified Russian soldiers. Um, little green men sort of hanging out in Belarus and um, doesn't give you a, it, the debt buy, the real debt buying, which takes place among mutual funds, not like 
big personalities on Twitter. But the real dip buying, you know, the, the sense that things are going down in value, we need to get in, occurs among mutual funds, pensions, etc. I just don't see with tanks, Amas, and Belarus, uh, a lot of dip buying this week, this upcoming week. Did y'all buy that, or do you think it's more like me in 2014 where I said, yeah, there'll be troops in, in, in um, Ukraine, but it won't matter. And the stock market went up in 2014. What do y'all think? Well, well, I'm just like, why do you think that that's more important than everyone that's like, oh, well, the Fed's tapering is what's causing this. Right. Well, I, I think that the Fed, that's an interesting question about the Fed. So like the Fed in my lifetime has never been this transparent about what they're going to do ever. It's usually this crazy, like, you know, almost Soviet era propaganda statements that you have to, you know, people made their entire living out of speculating what one sentence meant, you know, Seedman says would come on CNBC as a former Fed chairman or vice chairman or something like that. He would come in and interpret what the Fed was talking about. In the era of Jerome Powell, they're just like, no, we're doing this. And the real sharp sell-off occurred when the Fed minutes got released and they were looking to, um, and I've never seen the market react to Fed minutes like that in a negative way. I've seen it on a positive side. But 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 people were like, wow, they're going to do this faster than we thought, meaning inflation is more out of control than we thought, right? Um. So that was that was sort of the explanation, but prices move first, and then the explanation gets filled in second, right? So we've now known that the Fed is going to hike interest rates for I don't know what sixty days, and um, they haven't said exactly how much, but that negatively impacts tech more because they're more interest rate sensitive. So, but the Nasdaq didn't really like heatedly start selling off until these last couple of weeks. So, if you're an efficient markets markets hypothesis guy, which I'm not, you would say, well, that's already been priced in because we knew about that. Um, I'm just saying, given I'm just trying to what I'm trying to do is just try to figure out how to be positioned in the week going forward in general. I think in normal times. And I don't know if we've been living in normal times for like the last two years or maybe back to 2016. But in normal times, I think there'd be, there would be a, a lot of buying on Monday. But I think that little green men in Belarus are enough to make that mutual fund manager say, you know what, I can, I can, I can wait. And the absence of buying creates selling pressure. You don't need people to be selling. You just need there not to be buyers, usually is my experience. So if that's the case, and if crypto is now tied, tethered, pun intended, to U.S. equities, then you might want to hold off on buying, you know, your favorite coin is what I'm trying to drive, drive at here. You know, I just, Sushi looks cheap, but Sushi could go to two. I don't know. I feel like they've been telegraphing this Ukraine thing for weeks, right? And like preparing. No. I've seen podcasts no. talking about it. Everyone's like prepped for it. I mean, Russia invaded Crimea, right? Several years that ago. Was and that didn't interrupt this bull market. Right. So it's it's like, I think people are, it's not really a new story. I think if something happens, that's kind of like outside of the envelope of what's been prepped in the news like some kind of like limited incursion or takeover if it if it if it something happens that's really grabs people by the balls then maybe we'll see a, you know a, a macro well, something really already has it, happened but... different this time and that is that russia for the first time has moved military stuff since world war ii has moved mil large amounts of military assets from its west towards the east like and there's video footage all over Twitter of just tanks after tanks after tanks after tanks. They basically soft took over Kazakhstan and soft took over. You know, they own Belarus has been the one, um, you know, Estonia is free and on our side. But um, I, I'm just saying for the next week, it, it does feel different this time. The, 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 the vice admiral of 
Germany came out and was like, you know, hey, this isn't so bad. Screw Ukraine. That guy resigned two hours later. You know, probably because the U.S. forced his hand to resign. It's, there's just more shaky. I'm getting push notifications from the Financial Times. So, so is that guy who's in charge of managing, you know, pension money. And that, to me, is just, a, it feels different than 2014. It does. And uh, uh, I just think, I, I'm just trying to, trying to, because a lot of things look really, especially in crypto altcoins right now, look very appetizing, right? If you liked Badger at 20, you know, you just, it just went on sale by half. If you like sushi at eight, which I do, it's at four. But it just doesn't feel like this is the, you know, just to pick up on Hal's comment earlier, it just doesn't feel like maybe this is the week to pull the trigger. Well, I'm um, cautious at this point. <laughs> Got enough money to... Uh be able to pack my bags for F Denver. Um, and I'm just hoping at that point, that's ex uh, let's, let's talk about something fun. So you're going, you're representing F G news at the F Denver conference. That's so exciting. Tell us all about yeah, it. I'm really excited. Tell us all about I, it. Um, uh, all, all that's left is to get some actual flights though. I still, uh, dropped the ball on that. Yeah. Well, um, the, uh, uh, do that. Because they're free. It might be, it might be uh, walking to Denver. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I wonder. I kind of wondered what the, you know, so many different things are getting canceled. Whether they continue with that sort of thing. But aren't you giving a talk there or something, or on a panel? No, or? I'm, I'm just gonna go there and uh, participate. I think I, 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 I might have signed up and said that I'm willing to do the judging. Um, which I think I think I might do that. It might be fun, you know. There's a bunch of people building new projects and stuff like that there. So yeah, I'm probably um, you know just going to be representing Foot Guns and Badger and uh, just building relationships. Yeah, be sure to take a sharp object for the Banquist guys from me, but not Wasabi. Wasabi likes Banquist. So. Yeah, yeah. I will I will give you. I will give them your. Uh, your words, but you know, as the messenger. Oh, they're, I'm sure they're good guys. I just, I just, whenever some place to me is dedicated towards, it's like that Peter Schiff guy and his gold. You know, I don't know how that guy makes money, but ever since I can remember, my parents give me a little money to play with in the stock market and watching CNBC because the two thousand dollars I had invested or whatever, twenty four seven because I thought I was big time. That guy's been on cable channel uh saying buy gold for 20 years and that the you know the fed's printing too much money he was literally saying that in 1997 so um and gold is worth more than it was in 1997 i think so good for him but i, I also I feel like 95 percent of his appearances are just like on bitcoin podcasts now <laughs> yeah yeah he's become the the super villain or whatever like the there's a there's there was there were um, there are you know we have a number of Middle Eastern actors who play like can only get jobs as terrorists in movies right and there are certain American actors who like are in like Chinese movies because America's the bad guy or whatever and he's like the bad guy for Bitcoin or something or is he is he got Bitcoin Maxi or something oh he's he just keeps buying gold or I don't even know what he does like. Yeah, he just I talks I, about gold. I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I want to know how he makes his money because it's, it's literally the same thing over and over. And I just think coming up with the same thing over and over because I, I guess, I guess my hatred comes from my own shame. Meaning, I, I got sucked into being Ethereum maxi pretty quick when I started my crypto journey, and I was like, Bitcoin is inert and stupid, and Ethereum has uses. And I was just like, and how how was kind of like. Just give it a while. You'll come around or whatever. And uh, I did. I mean, it lasted like two or three weeks. But um, um, I just, I have a problem with people who, I mean, this is clearly a retail community that they're talking to. And they're just, have they said anything negative 
uh, I mean, the main guys behind it, have they said, it, hey, you might want to be careful here or anything negative about Ethereum ever? Well, I mean, they're like, their show is premised around Ethereum. That's their show, right? Like they're content creators. That's their, that's their gig, right? Like, I don't think they're paid by Ethereum foundation or whatever, but they've crafted that's, that's their thing, right? Like someone messaged me on Twitter and they're trying to get me to put like the Ethereum some kind of like emojis in my thing. And they're like, you're part of the family, right? It's, and it's like, that makes me feel weird. Like I'm not part of like anyone's you're family. You're part of our right? family. Like, I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm a foot gun family. I'm a badger family, but it's like, I don't know. Like once you like, yes, like I'm a contributor and working on these projects, but like some other asset that I own, like once you're on a team, like I'm not going to go walk, like I own Berkshire Hathaway stock. I'm not going to like walk around in a Berkshire <laughs> t-shirt to, to show that. Right. It's like, like, I, I don't know. It's like, once you like, this is a trading show. I'm really like, gonna, you don't want to put on the t-shirt of whatever Hathaway bag you're holding each day. To go to Ethereum Denver with. Yeah. That'd be funny. The old Bankless thing is sort of like, I remember there was this lady who was interviewed on, CNN one time, and she wrote a book about how cell phones cause, uh, you know, putting up your ear cause brain cancer. And I was like, how long was that book? Two sentences? I mean, that's just like, I mean, I guess you could make it like 20 pages with citations or something like that. But I mean, why do they need to every single week? And yeah, they're getting paid by all these altcoins that they're sponsored by or whatever. Why, why do they need to every single week find a new way a new reason for you to get long ethereum why don't they just in other words i mean we, we haven't made any money off of foot guns we have paid subscriptions for increased involvement and to cover fixed costs associated with this podcast software and all this other kind of stuff whatever we're not like we're not like you know making money off this but this is clearly what the bankless guys do. And I, I don't know. I the, the one thing that the reason I'm drawn to Dow so much is I think there's a ton of people, at least at least my view in the badger, and I, it's really the only Dow I know anything about. So I guess maybe I should know more than one Dow. But there's all these really well intentioned people. And I don't really think many of them are in it for the money. I think the money is a side effect. And um, I, I just think repeating the same, you know, it's sort of like cell, cell phones cause brain cancer podcasts. I mean, why would you have that on every week? Just put it out there once. And if you were acting in good faith and sort of move on, maybe check in once a quarter, you know, don't need to do it twice a week. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just <laughs> overreacting, but. Yep. By the way, our Ukraine segment was uh, sponsored by our good <laughs> friends at the Northrop Grumman Corporation. No, no, They're, no, uh, no, no, no. Proud sponsors of our uh, geopolitical no, coverage. No, the, uh, the it was sponsored by Bass Pro Shops, which has now entered the military space. It turns out U Ukraine is one of the largest exporters of bass, and so. Uh... <laughs> do they do caviar, or that's more like the Caspian Sea, like uh, Azerbaijan? <laughs> You ever been to Baku before? I have not. I've been to Iran, but not. Uh, that's the yeah, closest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting place. It's thinking maybe. Out. Yeah, I'm thinking. I need to. Uh, we need to do a live uh, foot guns thing from Bass Pro Shop. I'll be, I'll be in the south uh, a little bit this year, so we could find a Bass Pro Shop. To... <laughs> Let's do it. I wonder how many people, and if y'all, y'all, um, if we're in the south, if we're in the south, we need a Waffle House sponsorship. That's the only. Well, yes, that's a really good idea. South, I'll record they're from. tough not to crack. They're an interesting business because they make no money. On a couple of interesting facts about Waffle House: one, they're the single largest server of steaks in the nation. Number two, they don't make any money on their restaurants. They're in the real estate business. You notice everything's near an interchange or whatever. That's this is just all one big real estate 
thing. It's like McDonald's, same thing. They don't make actual money. You know, they just make enough money to sort of pay down the rent on the buildings. Or unless they franchise. And Waffle House is a franchise. But uh, Waffle House is a great place. Um, if you're, if it's really uh, late. Um, do you know who the largest consumer of kale is commercially in the United States? No, I don't. I don't. At one point, it was yes! Pizza Hut, right, for their salad yes! bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go for their salad bars. You'd think it'd be like you know Whole Foods and Boulder or Berkeley or something, but no, it was Pizza Hut just as a garnish for their salad bar. Which I don't know anyone who's ever gotten a salad at Pizza Hut. I don't know anyone who's ever been to a Pizza Hut. But uh, is this poor shaming? I'm not. Sure I used to I used to deliver pizza for Pizza Hut. Did you? Yeah, that was, uh, that was one of the best jobs ever. You just like ride around, listen to music, and uh, maybe, deliver maybe smuggle, pizza. smuggle a weed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that you, not that you would ever do that, but um, yeah, somebody could in theory, right? Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I think I think we've got the topic for our next podcast here. Unless you, uh, unless we have anything else to cover, I might. Uh, Call it an evening here for this emergency uh, meatloaf edition. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, we'll be back later this week and we'll do this all over again.